Welcome to another episode of Sounds Japanese Canadian to Me with me, Raymond Nakamura. And me, Carolyn Nakagawa. Well, Carolyn, what do you got there? Raymond, I'm going to hand you this card and you're going to read it out loud so that the listeners can find out what's on it. All right. It has, what are you? With a big red question mark. And then when I turn it over, there are a series of boxes and it says, I am an alien. Shh. <laughs> Bothered by this question, a multifaceted individual desiring a re-examination of assumptions. Awesome. Silenced by your boxes, but climbing out. Sociable and open for conversation. And then a blank to fill in something else. However innocent your delivery, you are now the recipient of a what are you card. The newest response to the only question more anticipated than what do you do? So this card was created by the American artist Maria T. Aloko. And she was a guest at Hapapalooza last year. I didn't attend the event myself, but received that from someone who did when doing research for today's podcast topic, which is the answer to that question, what are you for many Japanese Canadians today? Hapa. Hapa, or mixed heritage, or multiple heritages, or also like the terminology as well is very complicated as we'll get into. But Maria's intention with this card was I visited her website to find out more about her work and said her intention is to increase awareness of mixed race experience and to empower people of mixed backgrounds. And the reason we decided to do this topic, Raymond and I, is because we were talking about how common it is for Japanese Canadians today to not only be Japanese Canadian but also have other heritage. Right. And the reason for that, of course, is that there's a high intermarriage rate of Japanese Canadians marrying people from other backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And the Hapapalooza that you mentioned specifically deals with this idea. It's a festival related to having mixed yes. backgrounds. Yes. Also, this topic is very personal for me because I am both Japanese Canadian and Anglo-Canadian in my heritage. So as soon as we started talking about it, I thought, I have so many things to say about this. Uh -huh. From personal experience. From personal experience. The volume of stories I have do not fit in this podcast. Mm -hmm. nor Your whole life. It's your my whole life. life. My whole life is about this. But I also, it's a chance to really talk about the wide range of experiences that people have and different relationships people have with their mixed or multiple heritages. Mm-hmm. And having the context of other people's perspectives as well. Right. And I think it's a lot of it is just like finding these really fascinating, interesting stories of how people manage mm -hmm. having a mixed identity. Mm -hmm. So today, because Raymond and I have so much to talk about, we're actually going to do a special double length episode. To emphasize the fact that it's not half, it's double. Yes. Double the heritage, double the things to talk about. Some people, it's even more than two different heritages. I think there used to be a gum commercial that was like that. Double. Oh, double mint? Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be a special double episode to talk about mixed heritage, multiple heritage issues. But since it's digital, it won't weigh anymore. Yes. I also want to find a place to say that I feel like I'm the Hapa or uh, mixed heritage representative in this podcast right now, <laughs> but I do not speak for all people of mixed heritage, and I'm speaking mostly from my own experience, but also from conversations I've had with other people. Mm -hmm. But that's always going to be filtered through my own experience and my sure. own ideas yeah. about it. Yeah. And I hope that people listening find things they can identify with and maybe agree or disagree with, but there's a whole world out there of complicated 
complicated experiences about being multicultural. But we'll backtrack and start with intermarriage. Since that comes before, well, even if the marriage part doesn't necessarily, at least this idea of couples from two different distinct backgrounds usually comes before having the kids who have this combination in them. Right. So... I feel like there's a lot of different stats floating around for Japanese Canadians intermarriage and you sometimes hear 75 but more often you hear like 95% or 98 or 99% of Japanese Canadians are marrying people from other cultural backgrounds. Yeah, and Jeff Chiba Stearns who did the One Big Hapa Family mm-hmm. film, he basically rounds it off to close to 100%. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about Japanese Canadians and I see this in my cousins and so on, basically the norm is to be marrying outside of Japanese Canadians. Yeah, and in the film One Big Hapa Family, Jeff Chiba Stearns talks about how that's in contrast to, say, Chinese Canadians, where back when, wherever the statistics he got that from, it was 17% intermarriage. Right, nowadays. And people of Indo-Canadian heritage are in that same sort of ballpark. Yeah, so much, much lower. So and so, so even those, those groups have been in Canada for a comparable period of time. So it's not just a matter of time that's taking place. Mm-hmm. Granted, they do have different numbers of people. But in any case, it's not strictly a time issue there's something distinctly different happening between Japanese Canadians and Mm -hmm. other and I think when you talk to most people about it the reason for it is tied back to Japanese Canadian internment and also not just internment where actually the communities in many ways got closer because they were isolated with each other but what happened afterwards where the government had a policy where they encouraged Japanese Canadians to disperse from their tight-knit communities and assimilate into the broader Canadian communities. And that's where most people who you talk to about this will trace the idea that intermarriage became very common from that time. Yeah, that's right. Because before the war, you don't really hear about it much. I don't know if I should mention this, but I asked my parents about it from before the war, if this term for people of mixed backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And the word that they came up with was actually Ainoko. Oh. Have you heard of that? I've heard of it. It's apparently like a dirty word in Japanese. Well, I'm assuming that it means like love child. Yeah, literally what it means. Yeah, so I'm assuming it's more like an illegitimate kid who was born out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether since they were younger before the war, whether they just sort of confounded that with other issues that were taking place. Possibly. My understanding of that term is that it was used specifically in Japan after World War II for children of American soldiers oh, I see, and I see. Japanese women. Hmm. So it kind of makes sense that those two concepts yeah, would sure. get completed. Yeah, 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 I um, see that. But it seems like there are older generations of Japanese Canadians who are using that term in Canada as well, mm, mm. just as like the word that they had for people who were part Japanese yeah. and had other heritage as well. Yeah. Not in a derogatory way. Uh-huh. Just as like that was the word that exists. Yes. But we'll get into terminology a little later. Yes, and terminology is a whole other thing. Yeah. But, and I noticed that it was almost part of the narrative of the internment is this idea that the white Canadians outside of BC were meeting Japanese Canadians for the first time and being like, oh, you don't have buck teeth. You're just a regular person. I like you. You are a good neighbor. Mm, and mm, they started mm. to get to know people. And that made the racism decrease. There's an interview in One Big Hapa Family with Roy Inoue who says once the other communities got to know Japanese Canadians, some of the discrimination against Japanese Canadians disappeared. 
So it's almost like an incentive. Not only is the government actually saying actively, like, you should assimilate, you should intermarry, you should socialize with people outside of Japanese Canadians, but they are seeing the rewards of that, that the more they interact with white Canadians, the more they feel that the discrimination is disappearing. Mm -hmm. I think that's such an interesting thing about depending on the perspective you take on the same phenomenon, how differently it can be interpreted. The thing that happened was that their community as it existed was destroyed. It was dispersed in that mm -hmm. sense. So obviously that's interpreted as a negative thing. Usually. But then when you look forward, you think, well, this allows you to interact with the larger community and it allows better understanding of what was going on. And so some people argue that in the long term, then that was a good thing that took place. Mm -hmm. And certainly uh, Jeff Chiba Stearns in his film seems to be arguing for this idea that it's making things better. And the fears from people within the Japanese Canadian community that it's going to disperse culture or sense of identity or whatever is not as big of an issue or it's that it's evolving in any case so that the community is continuing. And there is the argument that by having marriages to people outside of the ethnic community that you're actually growing it, you're increasing the capacity for producing people who are interested in this aspect of culture. Mm -hmm. It's the every cloud has a silver lining argument, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a really common attitude in the community of Japanese Canadians to look at the positive benefits of what happened mm -hmm. outside of the explicit fight for redress and social justice and human rights. There is often an appreciation of the fact that we were able to integrate into other communities. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that makes our community get bigger. Mm -hmm. But that also creates confusion because for people like me and a lot of people, especially in my generation, I think we may or may not have a Japanese name mm -hmm. and we look sort of Asian, but not necessarily. And so there's a lot of discomfort. This is where we come back to the question of what are you, mm -hmm. which gets asked. I feel like this is a question that I've been asked my whole life by all range of people that I meet, whether they're total strangers or like classmates or people that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Raymond, do you get asked that question very often? Well... In relationship to it, I have been asked whether I speak English uh, right. before they meet As me. Have so, I. so I've been approached in, you know, in Canada, in Toronto. Mm -hmm. I was standing at a bus stop. And I guess partly it depends whether they hear your name. In my mm -hmm. case, you know, I have a Japanese last name. Well, actually, you do too. Yeah. And I think, as you were mentioning, people of mixed heritage may or may not have a last name which reflects the Japanese aspect of it. And I think that can make a difference. I've also had the experience where they misheard Nakamura as something like McNamara. So oh. like over the phone. Right. And then they were expecting, you know, some white Irish guy or something. Right. And so they were confused when I showed up. Mm. And so if you're not there in person, there's also right. that disconnect. Yeah, my mom has a story about when she was just married and she took her husband's name and she was making a reservation at a Japanese restaurant and she gave her name Nakagawa and all of a sudden the person on the other line of the phone just like started talking to her rapidly <laughs> in, in rapid Japanese. And my mom does speak a little bit of Japanese. Uh -huh. She speaks almost as much as my dad actually. Uh -huh. But she was not expecting it uh -huh. and her Japanese is only a little bit. Right. And she's actually studied a lot of French. So she was just so caught by surprise that she just kind of responded in French. <laughs> I can imagine that. I've, I've actually been in that situation where you get the languages that you're learning mixed up. Right? Yeah. But this idea of is an interesting question of the people who are doing the intermarrying, mm -hmm. which if you think about it is this beautiful idea. It's a Romeo and Juliet expanded into a, an ethnic background of people of different cultures coming together. But again, there's the plus and negative side on it where there is a perception by some people, apparently, if you think that marrying within Japanese Canadians makes you a better Japanese 
person or vice versa, where you have people who maybe don't want to be associated with their background, their families, and are looking outside of that because they feel bad about where they're coming from. So, And also, I think that it may or may not be intentional, you know, like you have a community that was small to begin with and then gets spread out across the whole country. Right. And I think the Jeff Chiba Stearns mentioned that where his parents and aunts and uncles did not really see themselves as being different from the people they were marrying. Yeah. And so they just saw it as another person that as you say you're, you're mixed so you love the ones you're with yeah. if they're surrounding you yeah but also I mean and you think about what constitutes a mixed mm-hmm. race an sure. interracial yeah. marriage yeah. right yeah. Also, he talks about in his film, his father's side of the family, where his father's parents, one was English heritage, and the other was German heritage. That was considered a mixed marriage mm, at the time. Right, right. Whereas now we would not consider that a mixed yes. marriage because they're both European. Right. Or different places where religions differ and things like right, that. Right, right. But I guess the thing is, the point of talking about this is the perception, even before you know anything else, of seeing people who are visible minorities being mixed with the mainstream, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like it's it's an interesting thing because people, when they ask, they try to phrase the question in different ways. What are you is, well, it's quite rude because, I mean, what are you? Mm. An alien. Mm. Right? Like, I always feel like answering, well, I'm a, I'm a human being. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> hello. Nice to meet you. Yeah. But you feel like there's this discomfort from people around you where they want to put you in a certain category. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if they can't do that, that makes them uncomfortable. Right. And it kind of reduces you to your ethnic background. Right, right, yeah. Which is only one part of a person. Yes, Um, I think that that's an interesting thing, is that although we're covering this as a subject, we're not in any way implying that this is the only thing to be talking about. No. person, of course. No, but it is a part of, I think, not only how I experience the world, but more so how the world reacts to me mm-hmm. personally. And I think a lot of people with similar backgrounds would say the same thing. It's, a, it's more about other people than mm-hmm. it is about the person in question. Now, that's an interesting thing. The context of words and how they're being used, of who you're speaking to and what you're speaking about, even though it might be the same phenomenon. Do, do you mm-hmm. want to talk about this term? More? Oh, like the different the, the, questions? Well, yeah. specifically the, the hapa. The, the yeah. term hapa. Or even just talking about the questions. I mean, people say the origin question is, where are you from? Yeah. Um, I personally was born in New Westminster. Yeah. Which answers the question, where are you from? But yeah. doesn't answer the real question behind it, which is basically, what race are you? Yeah, yeah. But nobody wants to say that because it sounds very rude. Right, right, right. And it yeah. is kind of rude, honestly. Yeah. So then they might say, oh, what's your nationality? Which, again, I'm Canadian. Mm. Mm. Or where are your parents from? Yeah. My parents were both born in Vancouver. Yeah. So I kind of enjoy this, actually. I uh-huh. like spinning it out. You know what they're trying to get at, and yeah. you're stretching it out. Yeah. I'm stretching it out because, you know, I feel like I need to keep challenging those assumptions about what is going to get you the answer yeah. that you think it is. And, you know, I'm very proud of my family's long history in this country. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, my father's family, my Japanese side, has been in Canada for longer mm-hmm. than my mother's family. Mm-hmm. So it also bothers me when people say, oh, so you're half Japanese and half Canadian? Mm, because right. there's yeah. this sort of euphemism idea that Canadian equals white yes. European yes. ancestry, which is just wrong yeah. to begin with. And also, specifically in my case, it's not accurate. It's more accurate to say I'm, I'm half Japanese, but I'm all Canadian. Yeah. Well, now that raises an interesting question. And I think why this subject is so interesting about how it combines these different expectations and just the term of Japanese Canadian and what that means. But it does seem like, because I was speaking to a person of Chinese descent mm-hmm. recently. He was a younger fellow. Mm-hmm. 
And it did not occur to him to say anything other than he is Chinese. Mm. Whereas I think people who are of Japanese descent, who are born in Canada, usually say I'm Japanese Canadian, if it comes to that sort of question. And for Nisei, when you look at cultural centers across the country, often it's important for them to say Japanese Canadian rather、yeah. than just Japanese to make the distinction. I think specifically people who have the history of internment in their families and are aware of it in that way,、yeah. the term Japanese Canadian becomes really important because the term Japanese on its own implies Japanese citizenship,、mm-hmm. which was that kind of thinking was what. Really justified internment, right? In yeah,、ways. yeah. So I think depending on your relationship with that history and how consciously you think about that type of thing, there is yeah a very definite tendency to use even though it's a long term Japanese、right. Canadian. Yeah. So it's a bit of a mouthful sometimes if you're talking、yes. as I do a lot about Japanese Canadian things. Yeah. I will always say both Japanese and Canadian. Uh huh. And you're right. Like that's because of the, our specific history, which doesn't apply to all Nikkei people. I think、mm-hmm. some people don't worry so much about it. Yes, but it's more a thing for Japanese Canadians than for other groups、mm-hmm. because of that very specific history. Yeah. But、so、then, in terms of terminology,、mm-hmm. it's interesting because hapa sounds Japanese. It does. And at first, I was like, doesn't that mean leaf? Yeah. But okay, so hapa. Is the word that a lot of people use to talk about mixed Asian heritage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the Japanese word for leaf is actually hapa. Yeah. So it's very slightly different. Yeah. So if you're anglicizing it, technically it would be two p's. Yes. Yeah. Whereas hapa to refer to mixed heritage is just one p. Although it's interesting because there's the restaurants, the hapa izakaya. They use a leaf and the kanji for leaf, even though I know that the owner is of mixed background, and so I always assume that he actually meant the other one. I'm wondering whether he's playing with that. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a play on words,、yeah. and I think a lot of people do that、yeah. too because it's kind of fun to be like, oh, just you know, I'm a leaf. <laughs> yeah. So with the Hawaiian connection with hapa, right? Because the word is actually a Hawaiian term、uh-huh. from indigenous Hawaiian language. So kind of like Métis. Specifically、yes. referring to people mixed in Hawaii. Yes, because it originally hapa just means half.、Mm-hmm. The full term version was hapa haole,、mm-hmm. where haole means foreigner, basically.、Mm. So you're mixed foreigner, which meant you're part native Hawaiian and usually part European. Oh, as opposed to the Asian mix. So yeah, so there was no Asians. Ah. In that term originally, because it was used in Hawaii to talk about Native Hawaiians and the Europeans who had come right, right, right to settle there. Because there were a lot of Asians who came to Hawaii. Yeah, and now there's a very significant Asian population in Hawaii、right. in mixed age, and I think that's how it got adopted by people of mixed Asian heritage was because there were so many of them in Hawaii.、Mm. They started to adopt the term as just a general, like any sort of mixed background. And then when it spread to mainland United States as well as Canada, because it spread mainly through the Asian heritage population,、mm-hmm. for most people it came to mean Asian heritage rather than its original connotation of being Native Hawaiian heritage. Right. So this is the for me this is a controversy around the term hapa, even though it's one that's used pretty commonly now、mm-hmm. in North America to talk about people who are part Asian heritage. Is that it's Been in a way co-opted from Indigenous Hawaiian people,、mm-hmm. and depending on who you talk to, it might be a problem. It might not be in terms of people who are from Hawaii and know things about Hawaiian culture. And I think that's also it's important to look at Hawaiian culture to kind of think about why that is. So, twenty-seven percent of Hawaii's population identifies solely as white. 
compared to the United States as a whole is 77.7% identify solely as white. So it's much more ethnically diverse. Mm -hmm. And less than 3% of the general U.S. population identifies with more than one race. But 23.3% of Hawaii's population identifies as mixed in some way. Mm. So it's this culture where there's a lot of mixing going on. Asian heritage is a lot more dominant and mixed Asian heritage as well. Mm-hmm. And according to, I'm going to say a few Hawaiian names and do my best with the pronunciation, Kea Lokahi Losh, professor of Hawaiian studies and Pacific Island studies at the Kapiolani Community College, says that traditionally the Hawaiian kingdom was more concerned with genealogy than race. Hmm. So if you have a Hawaiian ancestor, you're hmm. Hawaiian, hmm. and mixed Hawaiian, like being also having ancestors from other places, doesn't make you less Hawaiian. Mm. As long as you can trace yourself from at least one Hawaiian ancestor, then you're Hawaiian and that's Mm. fine. Cool. Mm. Which I think is really great and lovely. And there's also another person named Poka Lainui, who has been involved in the Hawaiian sovereignty movement. Oh, yeah. And he said... In the idea of aloha, uh, a complex blend that includes love, compassion, and generosity, he doesn't mind the term being shared because if, if it's helpful for other people, then what's wrong with that? You should mm, share it. Mm. Like, Have you been to Hawaii? I have never been to Hawaii, and actually I had very little interest in being Hawaii. I mean, my, my interest in beaches on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd say it's about a 2. Mm. But as I've started to learn more about the origins of the word hapa and the culture in Hawaii that surrounds that, it makes me really want to go and learn more about the culture and experience that. You know, that's an interesting point because I've been to Hawaii a couple of times. And one of the things, it's like an alternate reality for the West Coast. The reason I say that is because you see Japanese names on real estate signs. Okay. They're normalized. Right. So having a Japanese name, being Asian, regular restaurants have shoyu alongside the salt and ketchup. Regular restaurants, and, like not Japanese. Right. Food. Yeah. So not specific. It's what they do. You can get rice instead of fries for things. So like there are these cultural elements that are just normalized there. And mm. what I often think about that place is that even though you know, it's Pearl Harbor that was bombed. Mm-hmm. The, the Japanese managed to stay there through interesting negotiations that took place before that, apparently. Mm-hmm. But what I imagine is if BC hadn't gotten rid of all the Japanese, that the society would have evolved more like Hawaii, which is specifically what the people were trying to do by getting rid of the Asians. Right. Yeah. It's like a what could have been. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I really want to go someday now. So anyway, this was the culture that gave birth to this term hapa. And a couple of years ago, Hawaiian population, and then it sort of being shared with the Asian communities in Hawaii. Right. And a couple of years ago at the museum, we had the uh, Hapa Project by Kip Fulbeck, where he had taken pictures of all these people of mixed background being described as being Hapa. And what I found interesting, though, is when I contact the people who are from Toronto, is very few of them actually use it in Toronto as a term. Mm. And so it's still relatively recent, I guess, and it's still in the process of being distributed, or at yeah. least much stronger, the sense of connection, the idea, even the Hapapalooza being a thing in Vancouver. So it's interesting how it's still an evolving term. Right. Well, I feel like definitely you can see the geographical spread of it, that it spread from Hawaii first to California, where there's also a significant Asian American population. Yeah, where Kip Fulbeck is from. Yes. And then it's probably, I think it must be spreading up the West Coast. Yeah. And, you know, dispersing from there and that it goes first to the places that have the most concentrated Mm -hmm. Asian and mixed Asian populations. Right. But that also gives the question of Hapa, like, does Hapa mean part Asian and part white? 
what if you're part Asian and you're part, what if you don't have European background? Are you still Hapa? Yeah. Well, it seemed to be in that project anyway, looking at the range of mm -hmm. pictures of people. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. This seems to be a North American term. I wanted to just mention that in Japan, the term that seems to be commonly used is Hafu. Oh yeah, Hafu. Which I've is obviously from half. Yeah. And recently there was a Miss Japan who was a person of mixed heritage, mm -hmm. Ariana Miyamoto. And I had seen mm -hmm. this article about her. And she said an interesting thing that she valued the term hafu. Mm -hmm. Because even though she, so her mother is African American, mm -hmm. but she was born and grew up in Japan. Mm -hmm. She speaks Japanese fluent, mm -hmm. behaves like a Japanese person. Mm -hmm. She talked about the importance of this term hafu mm -hmm. to help Japanese people understand her situation. Mm -hmm. And it specifically means half Japanese, mm -hmm. given that in Japan, most people are of Japanese descent, so right. that people of mixed backgrounds are such a small proportion of it. Mm -hmm. So she embraced the term, even though people here seem to be a little bit often reluctant to. To say half. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that for me, the term hafu would specifically refer to someone who's culturally Japanese mm. for me. So I wouldn't use the term hafu uh -huh. for myself because that's sort of how I understand that word. Although when I was in Japan, they would say, oh, you're hafu. I'm like, sure, whatever. But when I was growing up, that was the term that I would be taught to use and like use for myself would be half Japanese, mm. which is kind of uncomfortable when you think about it, if you think about it for too long. Mm. Which you do if it's part of your life. Yeah. Because it kind of implies that you're half a person. Yeah. And then again, it brings up that implication that you're half Japanese and half Canadian, which is yeah. totally wrong. Yeah. But I don't know. When I was a teenager, I sort of thought, well, that's how I feel because I feel like I'm cut in half. Uh -huh. And I'm kind of over that angst now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's the joke that sometimes people make about like, oh, you're not half, you're double, which is, I think that's true. But I'm also not going to say I'm double. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds even stranger than saying I'm half. Mm. People that I talk to, some of them are still not really comfortable with even saying hapa to refer to themselves. Like they might yeah. use it as a general thing, right. but they wouldn't describe themselves that way. Right. And it also seems to depend on context. Mm -hmm. So one person was mentioning, as you were saying about the Hawaiian origins of it, she would obviously be more reluctant to use it if she were in Hawaii or be more circumspect, I guess. And I think it's important to be conscious of that, which is one reason why I started to avoid the term. Mm. Because, again, like it's suddenly become this thing where predominantly it seems to refer to people who are mixed Asian and European ancestry and the indigenous heritage of it has been completely mm. left out. Mm -hmm. And that's not really how I want to build my identity, by mm. like ignoring people who are indigenous Co heritage. Co-opting somebody else's shit. Yeah, but it's at the same time, it's been such a joyful word, I think, for a lot of people to be able to have a name that mm. isn't something that doesn't feel uncomfortable. Because mm. what are the other words? There's half, which again, is like you're a fraction. Yeah. There's mixed, which can be okay, but it can you have easily... You mixed feelings about it. I have mixed feelings about it. You yeah. know, it's like the implication of being mixed up. I just remember this one time someone asked me kind of out of the blue, like, are you mixed? And the tone. And can... the tone, <laughs> yeah. right? It just easily gets that tone. Yeah. And then what else is there, really? I mean, I've gotten some it, weird Even things. though, as you were saying, half by itself actually means half, right? Half, but it means half. But Hawaiian. when you don't really get what the direct meaning is, yeah. and so it, it creates a different... It's a bit of a remove. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be similar to saying hafu, but I feel like hafu is about being culturally Japanese. Yeah. Or one person I know who grew up in Japan said mixie, which is cute. I like it. It's like pixie, but oh, I also yeah. feel like right. it might be more specific to being in Japan or mm. in Asia. Mm. Mm. So, like, I don't have a good word to 
use right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I'm just sort of thinking about all the options and thinking about what would be the new option. And one of the things that I came across when I was preparing for this podcast was a call to poets. Come up with a new word. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is actually something that I've been talking to my poet friends about, like, we need to come up with a new word. Some of my friends who are poets and also have multiple heritages. But so far, none of us have quite clinched something oh, yet. Oh, yeah. That's a long-term goal. Uh, I guess you got to work on it quickly because Hapa is gaining traction. So. Well, I think but also the backlash against Hapa yeah. is cashing up as well. Mm, it's a fraught word, I guess. Yes. And the situation. And yet, obviously, the phenomenon is growing. People mm-hmm. of mixed yeah. heritage. People who need this word. They, yeah. Or maybe they don't. If it becomes normalized, if everybody becomes that way, then mm-hmm. it just becomes the way the world is. Yeah. Well, that's one of the big things that I think about when I, I grew up watching Star Trek. Uh-huh. And Star Trek is, you know, this wonderful utopian vision of the future uh-huh. where there's no racism or no sexism. Right. That there is. But anyway, one of the things that I'm like, well, but there's still really distinct white looking people and Asian looking people uh-huh. in the sort of human characters in Star right. Trek. I'm right. Like, well, that's not realistic. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it's sort of like a growing club, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and it seems to be the future. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was talking to one of my colleagues about this who said that she'll be on the lookout for other people who look hapa or mixed mm. descent to her. And I feel like I definitely do the same thing. If I see someone and I, I just think like, Oh, you look like the imaginary race that everybody thinks that I am, uh-huh. that they want to know what it is. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh, okay. But I never ask, right? Like I. Just oh, feel, because of this, what because, are you question? I mean, you, I, I feel like what? the proper way to ask that would be like, what is your heritage? Uh-huh. Also, it's a slightly different question, but I've yeah. heard one person I know once asked, where does your name come from? Which is also a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily related to what is your heritage? Yeah. Why does your face yeah. look like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the question, right? Yeah. So I usually don't actually ask it. And then it's only like after, if I get to know this person for longer than I get to know them. But it's like, mm. it's this fraught politics of wanting to connect with this person Mm. but also not wanting to push them away with the same questions that we get from Mm. other people what i was just thinking of is if you imagine star trek in the future Mm -hmm. and everybody being of multiple backgrounds Mm -hmm. maybe you can start calling yourself a utopian so 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 in a perfect world everyone will be mixed so then that might be another approach call myself a star trek space alien (laughs) although do you remember that old school star trek one where the people had a black and a white face split in half i don't think i've actually seen that episode uh frank gorshin was in it Uh and he was having a battle with other people and their battle was because the black side was left and the other the black side was on the right side Mm -hmm. or and so and like from externally they thought they were the same right but within their battling groups it was because of this difference so i guess the argument being that if you look for differences then you can always right and i guess like if humans do ever have contact with aliens aliens would be like what are you talking about you all look the same yeah yeah, yeah. or like you know europeans who have contact with each other or asians that have conflict with each other like from groups outside they're like they all look the same. Yeah, yeah. So it's all these distinctions that have been drawn historically that kind of self-perpetuate because they've been drawn yeah, historically. Yeah, 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 the boxes. And yeah, now they're starting to lose meaning more and more, which I think is, is ultimately a good thing. But uh-huh. it's kind of uncomfortable right now. We're in a transition in period the flux, yes, where yes, it's starting right. to change, but it hasn't completely uh-huh, changed. Uh-huh. And Japanese Canadians, I think, are one of the groups that are sort of leading this transition. Right. That's right. Because they're dealing with it on a regular basis. Yeah. And we're one of the earlier communities that are visibly different to the intermarrying and Uh having a lot of multi-heritage 
children. But in terms of the attitude about it, I've heard a person from Japan who has a Japanese name, but mm-hmm. of mixed heritage. Mm-hmm. And the question that she would get asked is, did you marry a Japanese person? So like as assuming her... that she's not Japanese right, at all. Right, right, right. And that's how she got a Japanese yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so this idea within Japan, because the Japanese descent is such a dominant thing, mm-hmm. that people also of mixed backgrounds who go there, even though they have some Japanese you know, they have relatives that there. That becomes less but visible. They, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know your experience, but there was mention of people who are mixed going to Japan and then feeling more white than they ever did because of how they're distinguished. And they always felt like a foreigner, even though they had relatives there. Even their relatives were kind of denying the Japanese aspect of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I talked about this when we talked about Japanese Canadians in mm-hmm. Japan, Yeah. but how I was mistaken for Brazilian, oh, yeah. but also because in the city I was in, a lot of the Brazilian immigrants did have some Japanese heritage. Oh. So it was almost like a recognition of me being oh, yeah. part, but also it was the only place. A reason for you to be there. Yeah. But it was also the first time that the label Canadian was applied to me and that was considered satisfactory. Mm. That was interesting because if I told people when I was in Japan mm-hmm. that I was Canadian, mm-hmm. they would say, but you look Japanese. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting how those things work. The associations that people Yeah. But it's interesting how the name can be a signal to people. Like, I feel like definitely my experience is different from people who don't have Japanese last names. Yes. Because when people see my last name, it kind of gives them a clue. Yes. If they are at all familiar yeah, with how if, Japanese yeah, names that's work. Right. And sometimes yeah. they're not, and it's just, they just mispronounce it as Nicaragua. Right. <laughs> which happened on two entirely unrelated occasions. Yeah. I don't know where the R comes from. Uh-huh. And I think it's something to do with in their they're brain. Scared, they're trying yeah. to think of something that's like Central Latin American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe the Brazilian. Because, because I Central. often get mistaken, even outside yeah. of Japan, yeah, for a Brazilian yeah, yeah. or Latin, yeah. Latin right. of some kind. Anyway, so the name can be a signal. And I've noticed that, too, with some people who don't have a Japanese last name but have Japanese middle names. Like, you see them almost, like, flashing them. Like yes, yes. Uh-huh. Kirsten Yannickel McAllister uh-huh. is a good example yeah. for me where if you see Kirsten McAllister, right. it doesn't signal the same thing as yes. Kirsten Yannickel McAllister. Yes, yes, Jeff Chibisterns. Jeff Chibisterns is another one, right? John that's Endo Greenaway. John Endo Greenaway. There's quite a few public figures in our yeah. community yes. who sort of flash that card, which is it's great when you have that available to you, I think. Right. It seems like in some of those cases, they're either using their mother's Japanese last name, or, or they actually have a middle name. Yeah, or they've been given a Japanese yeah. middle name, which is, I think, common among people of my generation, even a generation older. Uh-huh. I also have a Japanese middle name. Uh-huh. For me, I don't usually put my last name as part of my full name because it just makes everything too long. And I already have a Japanese name. Um, I have a last name, yeah. I have a Japanese last name, so I don't need yeah. to do that. Yeah. And it just, you know, it keeps things more concise. It's nice, but it's also... I feel sad sometimes when I talk to my friends who don't have that ability to sort of like flash their ethnicity with Mm. their other name because you feel like sometimes Uh, you need to show that you really are part of the club. Right. So it's sort of like credibility because I I know someone who she describes herself as presenting as white, Mm -hmm. but is mixed. And so she teaches Japanese cooking. Mm -hmm. And so she uses her Japanese middle name to To make people feel more comfortable that she has some connection. She builds credibility and she can signal that without having to say anything. Yeah. By just presenting her name in that way, which I think is useful. Yeah, and and I mean, just because, you know, you look a certain way, maybe you present as white, doesn't actually reflect anything about the way that you grew up or how you feel about your own culture. So I think for me and for a lot of people, I think it's about trying to signal to the world 
something that's complex and something that is sort of outside of outside of the categories that most people will try to move you into mm-hmm. that don't always match the way that you look or the way that your name looks. Yes. And the sort of limited control that you have over those things. But that I think actually a lot of people who are Canadian and have racialized heritage, especially people who have what's considered mixed background, we're always trying to figure out ways to navigate both sides of that. Mm. And that's interesting when you're, when you're sort of forced to be stuck at the intersection yeah. between different cultures or different experiences or different um, traditions maybe I'd say. traditions yeah that could be an aspect of it i know someone who mentioned to me how you know her mother is of japanese descent and then she is mixed but doesn't look like she has asian heritage in her mm-hmm. so then she sort of naturally had some interest in japanese culture through her mother mm-hmm. but then new people from japan or something would wonder why she was interested in japanese culture you know, mm-hmm. as a first step, you know, so yeah. they're not expecting you to have mm-hmm. any connection, yeah. personal connection, mm-hmm. when you do have this whole mm-hmm. family aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. Anyway, many of the staff here at the museum are multiple ancestry. Uh huh. So I was trying to chat with different colleagues of mine, and one of them said, Well, tell Raymond it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, I contacted some people that I knew, and I'm not really close with them, but mm-hmm. when I asked them about this, and I had the excuse of saying I was doing, you know, podcasts, right. it would probably just, be weird that I was pertinent. just, yeah, I was, I was just sort of, you know, what is your experience about being a couple? But I had this excuse, and I was kind of startled at the depth and the range of their thoughts and their experiences. And one of them was mentioning how, I guess also it depends on the context in which you grow up, and mm-hmm. she had grown up fairly isolated from other people of her experience, mm-hmm. and so when she was meeting other people who would be described as Hapa, mm-hmm. she said she felt like the ugly duckling had found her swan family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. This was something I, I wanted to mention that was interesting. It was a, a Bill of Rights for People of Mixed Heritage Ooh. by Dr. Maria Ruth that was developed mm-hmm. in the 1990s. Where did you find that? There was a, a website on, on People of Mixed Heritage, and mm-hmm. this is one of the resources that they, they included. Great. Actually, Raymond, do you mind if I read that? Yeah. Or no. No, I don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no. I think that's a good thing. Great. The Bill of Rights for People of Mixed Heritage. I have the right not to justify my existence in this world, not to keep the races separate within me, not to justify my ethnic legitimacy, not to be responsible for people's discomfort with my physical or ethnic ambiguity. So this is a lot of stuff that we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. I have the right to identify myself differently than strangers expect me to identify, to identify myself differently than how my parents identify me, to identify myself differently than my brothers and sisters, to identify myself differently in different situations. Oh, that's a good one. I have the right to create a vocabulary to communicate about being multiracial or multiethnic, to change my identity over my lifetime and more than once to have loyalties and identification with more than one group of people, to freely choose whom I befriend and love. That's kind of a great bill of rights for everyone, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. But, but there's especially some issue. for yeah, yeah. people of multiple heritages. Yeah, I think, as you say, it's true for anyone of any circumstance. Mm-hmm. But I guess because of the visible aspect of it, it seems like people of mixed heritage have to confront Issues right. More We're more often faced with these types of questions yeah. and feeling like we need to fight for this all the time. So, so that was by uh, Dr. Maria Root, and she wrote in the, in the 90s. 
Thank you, Dr. Root. Raymond, what do you think about, well, we kind of didn't settle on a term for this, but this episode does need a title, so maybe I'll call it. What do you think about mixed heritage or multiple heritage? Multiple personalities is another thing. Well, definitely not. Oh, okay. Now we have to have another conversation about how that's wrong. <laughs> mixed heritage, are we okay with mixed heritage just as like a placeholder? Mm -hmm. Does that All right. feel okay? I feel okay with that for uh -huh. just acknowledging that it's... Or utopian, we go back to that. Yeah, okay, <laughs> utopian. What do you feel about utopian, uh, utopian heritage? <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds Japanese-Canadian to me. Fantastic. Mm -hmm.